Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number eight from Monday, September 24th, 2018. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is Pixel Riffs, or Johnny, for those of you that can poke him in the arm. Good day, sir. Hello, welcome. Yes, good to be back talking about Minecraft for the eighth week running. <laughs> I'm really, we I'm really quite proud of We are creeping up on double digits, man. Yeah, oh. I'm... I'm looking forward to that stretch of of hit, getting into some some higher numbers and really getting a, a good catalog for people that discover the show. And speaking of, there has been a lot of people um, writing the show and letting us know that they found it and they love love it. And it's really heartwarming. I'm glad that people are enjoying the the work that we're doing. Absolutely, thank you all so much. It means a lot to have support on such a young show. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, this is the thing, right? I mean, like as you mentioned before, I've been podcasting for years, and the level of interaction that we have with our listeners is fantastic like i'm having trouble keeping up so i apologize i we read everything know that we read everything we may not reply to everything but we do read everything yes uh but when we're not checking email we are nosing around in minecraft and i'm i'm curious as to what you've been up to over the last week so uh, continuing my forays into redstone which is not normally my area of expertise i built my first proper super smelter which i'm pretty proud of actually it's it's nice. only it's only 24 furnaces and i say only in massive inverted commas because that's usually more than i cook with um but yeah it's just two kind of simple rail tracks over some furnaces hopper mine carts and so forth i didn't want to overcomplicate things because Obviously, I being part of the Hermitcraft recap team, I see people performing kind of crazy feats of Minecraft on a somewhat regular basis. There are people building super smelters that have, you know, several stacks worth of furnaces in there and can smelt an inventory of glass in half a second. I didn't necessarily want that <laughs> because my yeah. my scale is a little bit reduced from there. But either way, it's it's pretty amazing to have something that can smelt a chest full of kelp in a few minutes. Um, I'm starting to use kelp as fuel, build with kelp blocks and stuff. So it's super nice to uh, to have something that can can cook a vast quantity of it very quickly. Nice. Um, so I have I have a large smelter. I wouldn't call it a super smelter. I have eight furnaces, and I think the reason for eight was just arbitrary, as in like that will give me a stack in, you know, eight times as quickly as I mm -hmm. can previously smelt it sort of yeah. thing. But I've noticed in a lot of smelting builds that I've seen on servers that people struggle with like every ninth or every eighth furnace gets skipped. So with 24 furnaces, how did you address that? It doesn't seem to have happened for me. And I'm not certain huh. why, because uh, there's there's some odd quirks with redstone that I don't really understand at all. And sometimes it's to do with which direction you build something. So if it's built east-west, then something works differently to something that's built like north-south in terms of like building mm. stuff in a line. It's it's weird. But yeah, for whatever reason, either it's maybe it's one of the furnaces that's like behind a pillar, because I have styled the the front of this thing to look like a kind of industrial piece of machinery in my my factory build. It may be that it's just the one behind the pillar is not working and I don't notice it because <laughs> I can't see it right. light up or not. But yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. It, it does seem to be working as intended. Fingers crossed it stays that way. And I feel like yeah. maybe for other people, it might be kind of a quirk of server lag or timings or something like that. Server lag, yeah, that could be it too, especially with 1.13 being so problematic in terms of its optimization. Yeah. I, I feel like on one hand it really doesn't matter like you, you'll see someone build this massive super smelter and it'll be using kelp as the fuel and they're quibbling over like well i'm wasting these you know this one kelp block which is like nine you know um dried kelp 
and but you're also looking at a kelp farm that produces so much kelp that they can't store it and you're like well really (laughs) you don't have a problem here i mean yes i guess technically it's not perfect but honestly (laughs) like it really doesn't matter but on the flip side i can understand when you're building something and you turn it on and that has that either all the furnaces comes on at once or it has that cascading like like Mm -hmm. they all go in a line and i've seen that before in tutorial videos and it just it looks really cool and if you have your sound up and you hear the foosh of all the furnaces then it does have that kind of like fun immersive experience and if you're watching that and one of them doesn't light up that would bother me yes for sure you're like you're ruining the sequence like there's a there's an effect (laughs) i'm going with and you're you're stepping out of line it's like the one person who doesn't know the dance routine (laughs) is just winging it but uh Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so the super smelter is going okay as far as i can tell um i've also just modified my slime farm to push slimes up to the surface instead of killing them underground um, and only half of it is doing that right now. But we have the more mob heads data pack on the server, which means that uh, rather than just having zombies, skeletons, and creepers drop mob heads under certain circumstances, and I guess wither skeletons as well, um, we can get mob heads from all of the other mobs. It's a pack that's used by Hermitcraft and was, I think, popularized by the folks on Hermitcraft. Uh, but various other servers are using it now as well. And um, one of my server mates, Mythical Sausage, asked me to get a slime head as one of the commissions for stuff in my green stuff shop, because I don't normally just sell them out of the shop. But he was like, hey, that's green. Get me a slime head. And I realized that the slime farm was just killing them too fast. That I, I couldn't get down there and get like a player kill with a looting sword in order to get like a an actual slime right. head to drop. So I had to figure out some way of doing it manually. And I was like, you know what? Let me just pipe them up to the surface. So they surface on the in the water offshore from my mushroom island. And normally hostile mobs don't spawn on a mushroom island. So suddenly I've got an element of danger nearby, which is actually kind of fun because <laughs> I've talked about this, I think, in previous shows. But what I want to do is have this place be like a, a kind of superhero town. Um, and so the slimes rising up to the surface are kind of their first big disaster. <laughs> and I kind of want to start forming some stuff around these, like, you know, giant monsters are popping out of the water nearby and these kind of, you know, alien invasions and stuff like that and figuring out some superhero stuff I can build that will deal with these calamities as they happen. So I think the thing I'm planning next is somebody's going to arrive to contain the slime infestation that's springing up from the, the ocean trench. So yeah, I'm building a little bit of story in there right now. Nice. Speaking of data packs from Hermitcraft, do you have on Decidedly Vanilla the armor stand data pack we don't actually it's one of the things we decided not to do just because we would be so tempted to overuse them and that amount of like additional entities and stuff tend to generate a bit of lag with Uh, 1.13 being like a bit of a lag fest at least when it released Mm. uh we did want to make sure that we weren't gonna push the server hardware too far because we're a smaller server as well we probably don't have like the hardware that's got the specs of somebody right. like hermitcraft like hermitcraft okay yeah so the so, reason why i ask is because you know having actual superheroes swooping around your superhero city fighting slime and all that kind yes. of stuff would be really cool yeah just to actually be able to create those like story moments those diorama type yeah, and some of the stuff they've been doing with the armor stand dioramas, especially what Zombie Cleo does on Hermitcraft, is insane. So that's that's what kind of had made me think, like, oh man, you know, Johnny could totally use this. Yeah, it's in, just some, in his, somebody uh, like flying in. 
yeah, in his no, city. Yeah, that'd be I, awesome. I like the idea, and it's maybe something we'll experiment with on fu- in future. But I, yeah, we we don't necessarily want to go down that rabbit hole. I feel like armor stands are along the same lines as stuff like chisels and bits in modded, where you can spend like an entire yeah. day doing something, and you've just produced one blocks worth of a build. <laughs> you know, yeah. it can take a long time to do very little. So. Yeah, maybe we don't want to get too distracted by that. But it's a possibility for the future. I'm really curious about Chisels and Bits. It's one of those rabbit holes where I I would probably be able to have a lot of fun with it. But then I also, like you just said, like I'm just like, well, do do I really want to spend all that time to only craft like one thing on one piece? Mm -hmm. But I know at the same time, there's part of me that thinks like there's a little bit of, of stuff missing from the things i'd like to be able to do in minecraft and even though as we've discussed in the show part of the puzzle part of figuring out how to make something look good with one meter by one meter blocks is is one of the challenges uh if i was playing in modded i would have a hard time i could probably let myself you know use it on occasion but having it in a mod pack would be really nice like i I watched something recently uh where uh, i think it was wells knight was building like a, a trellis for uh a berry farm and you could use it for something like a winery or whatever and it's mm. just it's just the simple fact of he really all he did was recreate trap doors but they were just a, in a way something that he could put in a in a different position and and it really made a lot of sense and it's one of those things where like yeah the, like that's just such a very specific use it's it's not really helping him make better buildings but it just it's adding to the ambiance like it's adding to the the little subtle things that you really you walk by and don't necessarily noodle over but as as an immersive experience you know it kind of pulls you in so this is one thing that i'm i'm struggling with with um what i've been doing which is is my my in on a bridge and i i finished that on a uh, let's play video which i put out on saturday so if you're listening to this there's a new video on my youtube channel and i did all the rest of the roof and the outside and i i could feel myself having watched that chills and bits information from, from wells night mm-hmm. thinking man it would be nice to have this and man it would be nice to have that and even just to be able to tell fences not to connect to blocks you know yeah. like that kind of thing like still really use the exact same block in minecraft it's it's i want it to look the same same texture everything i just wish it didn't connect to solid blocks next to it all the time mm-hmm. or if you could somehow control that which you could in real life if you were building a fence you could just put a fence post down and not have it connect <laughs> yes things. yes so you, funnily you enough know, rail fences don't do that <laughs> yeah exactly like wouldn't well, farmers would be ecstatic if you could just put a fence down and also pull like yeah. it, just, it just connects to the one next to it like yeah like that would be fantastic but yeah so like when i was working on the inn I, I was thinking like man it'd be nice just to have just a little bit of control over some of these things not to the extent of like making my own like detailed ch- texture and lattice work, but just just to be able to say like you know, make this a certain shape and keep it a certain shape as opposed to having it change you know whenever it, it happens to be next to a block that it connects to etc. Uh, same with stairs that sort of thing. And uh, but I, I was able to get the the full exterior of the inn complete. Now it's mm-hmm. not textured, so the bridge is still flat brick and uh, all the supports are just stone. Uh, the prismarine i think i am going to pop in and maybe change a little bit of the prismarine bricks out for like the odd piece of prismarine just so it looks like it might be a little bit weathered here and there mm-hmm. but i made the decision to use some dark some stripped dark oak uh on the gables of mm. the roof and man does it make a big difference i really i really could not believe the difference that putting a diff, uh, roof on the build made uh, especially because i changed my mind from going on a pitched roof 
to a, a rounded roof. And I think it's episode three of Spawn Chunks on the show notes. If you go to thespawnchunks.com, you can see an image, a screenshot of my creative kind of spitball attempt at, at making this, this in before I put it in the Citadel server. And you can see the difference in the roof and what it would have looked like looked like versus what it looks like now man it it i'm really happy that i i went with a smaller roof because otherwise it would have been just too large for the space that's great so I'm, I'm quite happy with it yeah it's it was a lot of fun and i'm i'm now i'm on to the point of doing some landscaping and probably some texturing and stuff like that because really there's nothing i can do on the outside that's like th that doesn't involve just texturing and stuff like that and I, i'm curious about your opinion on this i don't really know if that's something that works well for me personally i guess in let's play videos because ultimately it's just like this huge cut of like here's this thing and then you have to take the time to to change the blocks out and then you come back and everything is just finished there's no real progress updates because it's really just you replacing regular block blocks with crack blocks or you know different colors and stuff like that do you do you find that challenging when you're making a video to to do like texturing and stuff like that during the episode or do you prefer to do it like on a live stream or, or I, I typically do a lot of that stuff off camera because it involves so much just kind of like replacing one or two blocks standing back doing a bit of thinking kind of going hmm maybe right. that would go there maybe this would go there I find it's the kind of stuff that's difficult for me to commentate I will try and do some of that stuff on video because I like to vary the actual content of my videos quite a lot I don't just kind of mm -hmm. go here's one build here's another build you know I want to build this and then poof it's done and then I move on to whatever's next I tend to yeah mix in a bit of the the building process where I can but too often it just it, it, I, I lapse back into that kind of quiet mumbly thought I can think out loud but not in a way that's presentational for YouTube and I, I worry too much yeah. about like the craft of YouTube videos rather than just kind of giving people insight into my process I feel like once I've built it the process is sort of more obvious than if I'm just tinkering with blocks here and there and not showing people a finished result because I, I can I can record one bit of that but then three changes down the line it might look totally different and that's how I build mm. in Minecraft anyway is just kind of tweaking stuff and experimentation so yeah, unless I've mapped it all out in creative first, in which case I don't tend to, I, I, I tend to kind of build everything with the texture first time instead of building the framework of it and then going back and texturing it. It's a kind of a different yeah. process then. Yeah, and the reason why I didn't texture it as I went was because I wasn't 100% sold on the position of the build, like whether I wanted to make the bridge longer, whether I, you know, if I wanted to nudge that building through blocks i did not want to have had taken the time to texture the whole thing and then have to tear it down and move yeah it. absolutely you know if, if you're just moving a frame it's like well whatever you're just you're mindlessly placing you know a couple dozen blocks to build a floor and then you can always just shuffle it around but um but yeah i i feel the same way i i find myself especially because i do this kind of thing on stream from time to time where i have that i'm really just kind of articulating my puzzlement and my uh decision making process without any real insight it's just me saying hmm do i like that hmm yeah it looks okay maybe it's a little bit too green it's it's re it's really not giving a lot of information that people can't see already mm -hmm. and so I, I feel like what i think i'm going to do is i'm going to i'm going to be streaming again sometime shortly this week uh and i'm going to be doing a lot of landscaping and texturing and stuff in that video and then when i come back maybe to to update people on the citadel series they'll see the changes i mean it's really it's going to be obvious that there's been a lot of changes made mm -hmm. Uh, but then the option will be to then go check out the live stream replay, which I think is probably the 
the best course. Cause I, I I'm with you. Like I find that I'm often silent, you know, when I'm doing that kind of stuff and, or there's just long pauses that just don't really translate to the pace you mm-hmm. know, of, of YouTube video. So I need, I need to go in and, and watch some more stuff from people like, um, scar or, uh, some other YouTubers that do that are quite well known for like large landscape jobs because I want to, I want to kind of see and make a like not just watch it but then make a mental note as to like what is being said mm-hmm. and what like how are they doing this or are they just so good that they're just talking about what they had for breakfast while they're like texturing <laughs> something you know the, the, uh, which, the it, third which option the, the third option for youtube videos is doing it in a time lapse and just having a camera angle on the thing and you just kind of swapping out blocks here and there because then you can take sort of as long as you want as long as you shrink it all down to yeah. a minute or two and that's true it all that's depends true. on whether or not you can get technical. a good angle on the build you know yeah, so I don't have a second account. I don't have a second computer that could log in with a second account and mm. make it playable and or watchable. And I have not yet, I say yet, because it's on my to-do list, sorted out how to use the replay mod, which I'm thinking still won't work in 1.13, yeah. right? Because you need Forge you, to run that. You need so we have Forge to wait for that and, to be updated. Yeah, the, the developers of replay mod are waiting for Forge before they even start on 1.13 because right. they need the framework to be there in order for them to actually build on what they've got from previous yeah. versions so yeah, yeah. so it's the gonna closest be a while. That i've come yeah the closest that i've come is like i'll record myself placing down a couple of different blocks i think i remember doing this when i did my pond where like you see me swap out some dirt for clay and some this for that and then i just i speed that up and you get to see me do like you know three or four block changes and then i say poof and this is what it yeah. looks like now mm-hmm. yeah uh, but speaking of uh, mods, there is a little bit of news uh, coming out with uh, regards to Optifine 1.13.1 uh, HDU E3. I'm not sure where they come up with these names. <laughs> Pre-release 2 is out now, and that was released on September 20th, and they're now toting that it's 90% done. Uh, I wanted to bring it up purely because we've mentioned it a few times on the show, and for people that have been having issues with Optifine or are excited to have it, uh, it is out and you can at least mess with it now. I am still experiencing problems with shaders on a Mac. I've seen that flagged in the glitch notes for Optifine. So people are aware of it. So hopefully that'll get fixed before it actually makes it out mm-hmm. uh, for full release. But there's really nothing much to say. I can't notice any real changes other than probably the just a lot more stable. And, you know, just they're crossing their T's and dotting their I's getting closer to the to the full release. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're into that, then that is um, that's out. But I would say the biggest news that we had this week would be the biome chooser video from Minecraft, oh, which is this this, this happened yeah. literally as we were finalizing last week's show as well. I remember like, I, that, I, right? I, I, I wanted to come in with this and say, like, we we recorded last week's show I sent the audio file over to Joel and then we were like, oh, look at Minecraft's Twitter feed right now. Everything is blowing up. (laughs) And we went, should we record like a little post-show kind of segment and just be like, hey, let's cut in here and say this is... You know, Joel and Pix from the future saying, you know, this uh, this other stuff is just broken. But then we thought, no, that's going to be a massive topic of discussion. We'll save it for next week. So if it seems yeah. like we dropped the ball at that point, we promised that we just literally finished recording the podcast at that point, and we really wanted to get into a more in-depth discussion. So go ahead and tell the lovely the lovely listeners what the uh, the biome vote thing is all about. If they've been under a uh, a block of stone all of this week. So the tweet went out and said, let's change the world. During Minecon Earth live stream on September 29th, vote live and help us pick the next biome we update. 
with new features and mobs. And that's from Jeb and Lady Agnes. And what they're going to do is allow, similar to, I guess, the voting that happened on the mob ABC for the 1.13 update, which ended up being, I think, B? B was the Phantom? Yes, RIP Mob yeah. C. I was voting Mob C so hard in that live stream. But oh, yeah. yeah, me too, I think, if but, I recall. And then Mob B ended up being Phantoms, which are now uh, the bane of everybody's life in 1.13. <laughs> They're the membrane of everybody's life. <laughs> they are. They are indeed. So uh, looks like a, a similar format this time around, but for three different biomes. And Yeah, we're looking at uh, Desert, Taiga, and Savannah were the three that they pitched. Mm -hmm. And I think the interesting language here is that they're saying pick the first or the next biome that we update. Yes. Not the only one. Yes. And and that it's not going to be like the the mob vote last week where the previous the, the 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 losing three get discarded and are never thought of again. You know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. they, they do plan on updating from the from what we understand here. And I think this was later uh, confirmed by um, the community manager, Helen Angel, on Twitter and on Reddit that uh, they are going to be updating a number of different biomes. They're not just going to throw out the ideas for the other two. They are going to continue to do it. It's just whichever one the community has more interested in is going to be the focus of the first changes they make. So exciting times. Cool. And it feels like they've really listened to feedback from the previous mob vote where people were really annoyed that you know a couple of the others had really great potential to add depth to the game and they were like nope the, you're never going to see these again it's just phantoms yeah i'm i'm excited about the idea that they could focus on one particular biome the one that people want you know the most changes to or feel that needs the most love and not have that delay the the release of the next update to the point where we're waiting for them to touch every biome like if mm -hmm. if the one that gets the most votes is your focus just release it with those changes and leave everything else the same and then come at us later with i'm okay with micro updates like you know like yeah you could mid mid 2019 you know you could or even early 2019 come up with another biome update especially because that probably wouldn't necessarily affect like mods and things like that like you're just you're just adding a few things to the game. You're not like recoding or re like not the kind of changes that we saw from 1.12 to 1.13. Yeah, it seems like future updates are likely to be much less technical. Um, that's obviously speculation. Mm. We don't know for certain, but it yes, seems like yeah, of course. they're getting the code into a place where it's more where they want it now and they can kind of do what they want going forward. It's also important to note that this biome vote does not necessarily relate to the theme of whatever update is happening like phantoms had nothing to do with the aquatic update um, right. there was an aquatic themed mob in the mob vote but that gave us no kind of clue about what they plan to release for 1.13 therefore anybody who thinks that there is going to be like a whole bunch of other biome updates in 1.14 that's not necessarily the case people were saying well they're they're focusing on biomes but we've been asking for nether and cave updates and this is kind of some of the stuff we discussed in the the um sort of news segment last week it's not necessarily that that's not going to happen it's just this is the segment that they want audience participation for and they want to get like a kind of community poll going for hey we have these three ideas which one of these do you want? But also there's going to be a bunch more information, I'm sure, um, relating to whatever the update is actually about. <laughs> we don't yeah. know that at all. This this might not be anything to do with it. So what kind of news bulletins have been kind of creeping across your screen over the last week? 
Um, there's a couple of things that I wanted to highlight. First of all, a bit of sad news, really. Um, Telltale Games, who are the developers of Minecraft Story Mode, among other games that you might know them from their Walking Dead series, the kind of um, point-and-click adventure, multiple-choice kind of uh, games, um, have closed down. Um, despite Story Mode being a commercial success, from what I understand, it seems like their other games weren't as profitable, and it's kind of been the big breaking news in the games industry this week is that Telltale has had to close its doors. And this comes along with the close of, I think, Capcom Vancouver as well. A couple of other game studios have recently announced closures, many people losing their jobs. It's unfortunate circumstances, really. Wow. Um, and Telltale were kind of known for working their employees really hard, kind of doing the kind of typical video game crunch thing where people would work 24-hour shifts and not get paid overtime. I don't necessarily want to go too heavily into that, but... It seems like a lot of people are rallying around and showing their support because they thought Telltale made really great games and some of their games were pretty memorable. Um, notably, Mojang employees and several other games companies have already reached out on Twitter to advertise their own vacancies and say, mm. you know, hey guys, we've got stuff. We're looking for talented developers, artists, whatever. We will pay your costs if you want to move. Um, so yeah, anybody who is a fan of Minecraft story mode and was hoping for a season three. It looks like that is not going to happen, sadly. And I think a few people are kind of annoyed that their other favorite series have been left in the lurch. I think there's a, they had like an ongoing Batman telltale game that just isn't going to get made now, which is kind of sad. So um, yeah, bit of sad news, but hopefully those people will be able to relocate to other, other jobs in the industry. Um, other than that, some observant people on Reddit this week noticed that the bug tracker for Minecraft has sort of slated a fix for a bug which um, basically stops you from editing the text of signs and written books without kind of deleting back to the point where you want to edit. So you can't like use the, the mouse cursor to click around in an area of a sign. If you make a spelling mistake earlier on in a sign or a written book, you have to delete basically the whole thing and start again. Um, but they've slated a fix for that for 1.14. So that's only kind of going to be a, a placeholder sort of thing right now. Chances are it might happen again in future, but it's just going to make one of those tiny little quality of life things that for people who, you know, write law books in their survival worlds or in adventure maps and stuff like that, it's right. just going to make life a little bit easier for them. And, you know, that it's one of those things that doesn't seem significant when you explain it out loud, but then when you're doing it in game, you're like, oh, that's great. Just being able to click there and be like, oh, I typed the word of wrong you know <laughs> like I, yeah. I just a finger slip here and there can just mean you know you save yourself a bunch of time that way yeah even just if it's not a mistake but you're trying to space out the sign so that it looks good you know when you're when you're reading it uh or placing it in the world and if you if you have to move a word from the top line down to the second line to better space things out you're like oh like i didn't even make any mistakes i'm just trying to format this thing and mm -hmm. it's one of those things when i read it i i mean I, i'm aware of it it's one of those things that i have unfortunately just accept it as part of how minecraft works yeah it's one but, of the little eccentricities that you're like okay i'll just deal with this yeah but it, when you bring it up as a bug you're like how has this not been fixed you know it's one of those <laughs> things where like this is one of those basic operational things where like if that was a situation on a website people would be calling for murder like, yeah, just, yeah you know like if you went to email the sponge chunks and in our little email form when you went to go sign it if you realized you made a spelling mistake at the top you had to delete the whole thing and mm -hmm. like we wouldn't get the email yeah <laughs> exactly know, like people would just leave <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's so it's good to know that little fixes like that are being paid attention to, and the the bug number for that is like 
it's in the thousands as opposed to like things that are in the 10 or 20 thousands or something by now. So uh, yeah, it looks like that's an older bug that is finally getting fixed. And speaking of people writing things, we've got a couple of fantastic communications that we'd like to read this week for Chunk Mail. Um, and the first is actually one, a, a tweet we got a few weeks back now from Schmedrix on Twitter. Thank you, Schmedrix, uh, because I, I wanted to highlight this a couple of episodes ago, but I think I just couldn't find the tweet at the time. But they said, uh, I was trying to figure out what to listen to yesterday while I was playing, then realized it was Monday, closed out of everything and opened the spawn chunks. Literally no exaggeration. And this is this is great. Like it just once again, it's so heartwarming to see the amount of people who are finding the show like just the the fun thing to listen to in the background whilst they're they're mining or kind of working on a build or something like that. It's it's always really cool to uh, to hear from people who 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 want to make this kind of part of their their background listening. We appreciate it. The other also thing, great screen, great screen name. Yes, <laughs> and the uh, the other thing I wanted to read out is an email we got from OG Doggy Dog. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it was a little bit longer than this, but I thought I would highlight the the important points. It kind of feeds in from our discussion last week about uh, having additional generated structures in the game and the idea of them adding a little bit more history to a world. Uh, and the email says, "I've recently started a new SSP survival single player world." And the thing that gave me a huge amount of motivation and inspiration to the game was the fact that I started renovating a stronghold and giving it a lore that some ancient wizards have built the whole place using magic, just to have a safe place for something as strong as a portal to a whole other dimension. My point is that the thing I love most about Minecraft is that it really lets your creativity and imagination flourish. As if there was already, and if there was already a story given to you by the game, you wouldn't really think about renovating the whole story, only the structures, which would take a bit away from your own creativity, in OG Doggy Dog's opinion. Uh, I mean, the fact that the game doesn't really give you any history creates an opportunity to make one up yourself. Uh, they also said they really loved every episode of the show and keep up the good work. So thank you for that email, OG Doggy Dog. What, what do you think about this? So I think the point that I was trying to make last week with more structures, and I want to point out that structures in the technical sense also include trees, rock oak crops, boulders. Yeah, the kind of things that we but don't think of as structures, but technically in terms of the way the game processes things, they are. Yeah, exactly. And they now include things like shipwrecks, uh, un, uh, what are they called? Underwater ruins, undersea mm. ruins, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So not necessarily huge builds, just things that are, you know, 10, 12 blocks long here or there. And I think that having some of that stuff speckled around would possibly help inspire the player. I agree with OG Doggy Dog that having a giant Mayan temple or 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 some sort of Minecraft temple on the surface that would be larger or larger than say like an ocean monument would be like well I don't want to build anything around this I this just is what it is you, you mm -hmm. just walk by and go oh that's cool and that's kind of it I think I, I agree with that point but I think having smaller things like say you're walking and there's just a chunk of a road you know or uh, a wall that's been broken down a tower that's been busted in half and the, and the top half is now sideways on the land next to it. You know, it raises questions like what did that look like before it was destroyed, you know, or even if you're just walking around foundations, I remember a long time ago, I logged into the um, Lord of the Rings server, uh, Minecraft Middle Earth. Mm -hmm. And I was flying around and you know, I'm walking through the, the builds that, you know, reflect the movies and things like that. And then I found myself kind of like I was looking for Weathertop and I got lost and they've put so much in this particular server uh, that there are things that are not 
in the movies, they're even in the farthest reaches of the books. You'd have to be kind of like a, a Tolkien-esque, you know, uh, nerd to really know where these things are. Mm-hmm. And I found myself wandering through this ancient, ancient old world ruin that probably only gets mentioned, you know, in, in the books. But it was inspiring. Like just you, you immediately just think like, oh, yeah, this would be the, where the throne room would have been. And like I can see the outer wall and the inner wall. And having stuff like that, even though it's completely destroyed. I mean, this thing was just down to like, you know, two and three foot stubs. There was not really a huge wall left in place. Mm-hmm. But it was just enough for you to your imagination to say like, wow, what could I do in another place? You know, what could I do in another world to either mimic this? Or if I had this in my world, could I, uh, could I springboard from it? And I think that's the thing is that some people, I remember when I first started playing the game, I was really frustrated with the fact that there was absolutely no guide. Like there was nothing to point me in, in any particular direction other than just building a wood house and making a farm. Uh, and I think that having some smaller structures around the world, um, even if it's just a series of rock, you know, outcrops and boulders, you might think like, oh, hey, I could build something in between these or how could I incorporate this, you know, into into my my world? Uh, I think it it's just that delicate balance that Mo Yang has to, I shouldn't have, shouldn't say have to, that I hope Mo Yang strikes is that if they do decide to add some more structures to the world, I think they do have to keep it inspirational and not not really dictate yeah if that like makes any sense i totally agree that building your own story is kind of the point of minecraft like it's a sandbox game adding a narrative to it yeah. would be kind of counterintuitive to what the game is supposed to be and i don't think mojang would ever really turn the core minecraft experience into a narrative but i'd argue it's possible to add history to the game without adding exposition you know, like you've already got existing structures in the game. It's fun to speculate about the lore of those things, but there is no word of God about like specifically what each of those structures is meant to mean or who's built them or that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So adding stuff like that never really tends to shift the balance too much. If there's not, there's no like actual writing in Minecraft anywhere that isn't player led, except for maybe the end poem when you jump into the portal and then that kind of the stuff scrolls up before you get the credits for the game. And that in right. itself is very vague and kind of spiritual almost rather than kind of telling you what the story of Minecraft is and why there is a dragon at the end of the game and that kind of stuff. It, it doesn't really tell you any of that. And so adding structures without any explanation, like you say, prompts inspiration from the player rather than kind of diminishing their own capacity for telling a story. They can make up their own story about the place and it gives people a space to play if they're not necessarily confident in how they would build something like that themselves. I like the idea of kind of, you know, wizards building the end portal and that kind of thing and and making the entire stronghold and, and, and then modifying the stronghold to more suit that kind of thing. It makes sense. They've got a huge library in some of the strongholds. You know, there's lots of books around, that kind of thing. Right. But that's something that as a player, you can easily make up from the clues that you're given, but they aren't necessarily clues that have a definitive narrative behind them at all it's it's just a matter of what you want to concoct as the player with your own imagination so yeah i I think it's it's a valid point but i don't think adding too many additional structures would really turn minecraft into a narrative game i don't think there's the danger of that even having looked around some of the structures in biome bundle i never kind of thought well that's just clearly leading me in the way of a story no they're just they're just kind of fun little extra things to uh to pop up on the landscape every now and again and the if, forgive me if I'm not remembering correctly, but I think even in Biome Bundle, like coming across a, a random fort or like a pumpkin in the middle of a field, like a like a building sized pumpkin, it's not like they were everywhere. Like I yeah. feel like they were still a pretty rare occurrence. I mean, like I 
I feel like ocean monuments, even though people say that they're rare, I feel like I find them quite often now. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm trying to think like strongholds would be a good example of stuff that is hard to find. It's definitely a, an end game mechanic to find it. Uh, and and even then, it's not easy to get to. Mm -hmm. So you could add, you know, some extra structures in Minecraft that, you know, are not common, like have have that skeleton tower with a spawner in it be really rare you know maybe it only happens in deserts or only happens you know in um extreme extreme was it extreme foothills is one Ex of the extreme biomes? hills yeah i think they're called extreme mountains hills. now like they, they've changed oh, some they? of the okay. biome names recently which is uh it's kind of gonna gonna be an interesting thing to uh, to discuss in our main topic this week because yeah we want to talk a little bit more about this biome vote we skimmed over it a little bit in the news but Let's talk in detail about this because they plan to update the deserts, tiger, or savannah first, and they're going to update some after that. Um, so, what do you think they should add, or, or what, what do you what do you think the uh, the best candidate is for for the players' vote? Well, I, I don't want to maybe I don't want to step on your toes, but I think we both are in agreement that savannah is probably yes. the one that needs the most love. So definitely fly, than, flying the flag of team savannah over here. Yeah. 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 So for quick hits, I would say to get the desert out of the way, I can't really think of anything that you would want to add to a desert. It's a mm. desert. It's supposed to be kind of desolate. There's not supposed to be a lot of stuff there. Yeah. I, the obvious one might be to put like a palm tree oasis in the middle of a big desert. But mm -hmm. like I, other than that, I, I really can't think, of anything super important that a desert needs. Yeah, they've they've already got quite a lot to offer, in my opinion. You know, they've got desert temples, villages generating deserts sometimes, and the houses there. While they, as we said they, last week, they follow the same template as the houses you find in other biomes. They're still mm -hmm. made of different blocks, and so they naturally look like part of the landscape already. I mean, reworking those villages would be nice, but it's not necessarily yeah. the kind of thing I'd vote for deserts because maybe they could redo the houses or something like that. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I was in the uh, North American Southwest last summer hiking, and some cactuses are low to the ground and some cactuses are forked, and, you know, there's all kinds of different stuff. You could easily add a couple different-looking cactus to the game, but, I mean, that's not necessarily new. Like, it, it's just it's just an aesthetic change. It's not really a, a big you know, improvement to, to the existing desert biome. So mm -hmm. desert really doesn't get my vote for that reason. Yeah. Uh, for, for Taiga, I confess that I was confusing Taiga with giant Taiga because mm. when I think of what everybody knows as the Taiga biome, I just think spruce biome. Look, like, I, yeah. I don't, yeah. you know, the Taiga one is definitely the one with like, or the mega Taiga is the one with the podzol and the cobble and the mossy cobble. And yes. I think that looks really, really cool. And by comparison, I can understand maybe that the, the taiga biome needs a little bit of love and i don't know whether it's just because i've been doing a lot of hiking lately or what but i think that most of the biomes in in minecraft need more rocks like they just need more naturally generated rock outcrops or caves or or different kinds of things mm -hmm. and i feel like the taiga biome could use some things like that some some cobble here and there or have like little rivers and streams um and then as far as mobs go, you know, bears, I think, again, not like I'm not grasping at anything long range. Like that's kind of obvious. You yeah. Know, putting a bear in the woods makes a lot of sense. There's already <laughs> wolves. They, you know? they, are, they are notorious for being in the woods. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, the, there are polar bears in the game already. So a fairly simple reskin, you know, you could, you could almost do that as a player and just kind of mod oh, yeah. modify the mob spawning, you know, rules a little bit and, and end up with, you know, just a retextured polar bear spawning in a tiger. It'd be very simple. Yeah, and just have it, you know, be whatever color it needs to be, depending on what 
biome it's in like that yeah it seems it seems straightforward to me as a mod i know you can't do it with data packs or sure, something yeah. vanilla but um so what what would you change about taiga if you had the opportunity like i find tigers don't really have much in them aside from spruce woods but they already feel kind of full thanks to like the the sort of density of the trees the way they generate yes. i've never really yep. walked through a tiger and thought hey this is kind of boring i've thought oh the spruce everywhere great this is my favorite type of wood let me gather a whole mm -hmm. bunch of it and you have the mega tiger variant you have the pods all the mossy boulders and so on and it already feels like something that's been fleshed out to a certain extent and yeah you get wolves there so there's already kind of a unique mob i don't really think you find wolves many other places so in a sense it's already got a little bit of content there it's got a reason for players to go there at the very least just to go and go and find some spruce saplings to bring home and farm but i never really find myself like avoiding tigers whereas yeah, I, I feel like i do avoid savannas <laughs> yeah well i also think that savannas are harder to come by mm. i feel yeah. like uh tiger biomes are probably the second biome that you find in the game they're everywhere the first There's so like, many you really of them. Get, yeah I mean, something as simple as just putting a mega taiga biome in the middle of a taiga biome more often, like, you know, not, not have it be its own thing, but just like, yeah, we'll just put a small taiga in the middle of this, yeah, just in like, like the heart of the deep heart of the forest yeah, when the trees get bigger, you know? Reducing the scarcity of it a little bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Could, add, could add a little bit of texture and stuff to that. Um, I do find I'm not super fond of the mint green of the grass in the yeah. taiga. I don't I don't really build in taiga. I go there to harvest stuff. I might build a farm there, but I don't necessarily build my buildings there just because the grass color tends to be Yeah, they've got that, that cold that cold biome grass color. And I yeah. feel like that's the problem with savannas for a lot of people as well, is that the grass color is much less attractive than your average kind of nice green plains or in my case I go completely the other way. I go to like really bright green kind of neon green that you get in in mushroom islands but yeah um savannas have a unique tree type they have acacia it's the only place acacia grows but they're just other than that they're kind of flat open plains with a less attractive grass color and there are no unique mobs the only structure is the occasional village they feel like despite the fact that they are the more recent of the three biomes that they're offering to change i feel like they are the least fleshed out um they do have that amplified style variant, which is now called Shattered Savannah Plateau, which is a really cool name. <laughs> but there's sort of few and far between. And they have that amplified terrain problem of this looks really cool, but it's really awkward to build here. Because <laughs> you're constantly yeah, it's dealing like with floating islands and stuff. Yeah, you're dealing with height and you know having to get up and down everywhere. And now we've had a lightra in the game. Somebody pointed out, by the way, the the irony that as soon as Hermitcraft Season 3 ended, which was their season where they had amplified terrain, they moved to the next version, and that was the version that added Elytra, which would have made it really easy to get around amplified terrain. So <laughs> Hermitcraft always a little bit ahead of the curve. Wow, but, I forgot that they didn't have Elytra in that season. That's yes, crazy. Yeah, so they were doing stuff with like, they, they, they thought it'd be fun to ha kind of have redstone-powered elevators and kind of work with the, the height of the terrain. And the sad reality of it is that a lot of the time you just find yourself building in the valleys between the amplified terrains because dealing with that level of height is a bit of a pain. You can make it work if you're a dedicated player and you feel like you want to make, you know, transport and stuff like that a focus of your series, but it does become an obstacle after a while. And yeah, I've, I've rarely seen anybody turn those shattered savannah plateaus. Um, I think they just used to be called Savannah Plateau M biomes until they reclassified some of the biomes. Um, 
the, there's, you know, it, I've never seen anybody use one of those to its full potential. Everyone looks at them and thinks, wow, you could do something really cool with that. And then I've very rarely seen anybody pull it off. Mm. So there is already tons of potential to expand, vary, and develop savanna biomes, in my opinion. There's tons of potential for interesting mobs. If you think of savanna biomes as analogous to Africa in the real world, the kind of plains and savannas of Africa, then already a bunch of real-life animals suggest themselves to add. You could have lions, elephants, pangolins, you know, zebra variants of horses, that kind of stuff. Stuff that would really add a little bit of variation. And it's even stuff that I've seen people mod in for maps like... Um, there's this one called We Are The Rangers, which is a kind of uh, environmental awareness map kind of aimed at kids for sort of you know learning about conservation and endangered animals and that kind of thing and cool there are some really great like models that have been done for that map of those kinds of animals and usually they're not particularly aggressive and <laughs> they're, they're just kind of like hanging out because it's aimed at sort of younger players um but then thinking about it along those lines the environmental conservation thing is still an issue it's something we talked about in the coral episode is that Moyang has to be a little bit more environmentally conscious because of how wide their player base is and how many eyes are on them to kind of lead the thought of, you know, let, let's be a little bit more careful about the environment around us. So hmm. a lot of these real-life African animals, which seem like obvious additions to a savanna biome, are kind of close to extinction, a lot of them as a, res a result of, like, heavy hunting. Um, hmm. So the question now is, does Moyang want to include them and risk players copying that hunting behavior and, you know, kind of <laughs> reproducing real life in a way? Um, do they want to add them, but then like polar bears and parrots, you discourage players from killing them by not having them drop anything, but then you have to deal with the backlash from the more technical players who want them to have some sort of, you know, functionality or unique drops or something that lends more depth to the game than just them being an aesthetic detail. Mm. Or do they work around that problem entirely by inventing a new creature which is unique to Minecraft, like shulkers or endermites or something like right. that? So something that doesn't really have any grounding in the natural world whatsoever. I, I've been thinking about this with elephants because I, I, my brain went to an opportunity in Savannas to add large player, um, not player mobs. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Non-aggressive mobs. Passive, Passive mobs. mobs, yeah. Passive mobs, you know, like having an elephant would be fantastic just to kind of for scale. Like if it was really twice the height of a player moved slowly, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that you could do to discourage hunting would be to have it not drop anything, have it be completely pointless. Yeah. Have them be rare. Maybe if you befriend an element, an, an element, an elephant, <laughs> I cannot speak today. One of the four uh, elephants. Yeah. <laughs> fire elephant mm -hmm. earth elephant oh so now we're getting yeah. into avatar the last airbender sweet <laughs> yes yeah that's that's a crossover yeah. i would absolutely want to see in minecraft by the way Absolute, can, we, can yeah. we have a fire elephant and like yeah, yeah. i want that oh i, I mean like so an elephant with that kind of a nose you have to be an airbender one sneeze and you are done uh <laughs> but an elephant that if you befriend it becomes like an iron golem and defends your village or defends your oh, you know defends yes. your borders okay. or if you try to or if you try to attack it it just says screw you buddy and you're done like you're just done he just, just tramples stomped. you and you're, you're done like you so there's absolutely no reason to try to go after an elephant other than to befriend it maybe help maybe they could help you farm i mean that gets into like you know domesticating and taming which you don't want to necessarily do either in terms yeah. of environmental stuff but but to be to be able to to feed it wheat or you know just existing stuff in the game and like if you feed it enough hay bales and it'll be like hey yeah i'll be your friend i'll stick around and, and keep zombies away and 
stuff like that could be could be really interesting maybe i if, wonder if you befriended an elephant and it like puts you out with water from its trunk if you're on fire or something like that there's just <laughs> there's cute little things you could add that wouldn't necessarily be like yes i've tamed this elephant but it's just like no the elephant's your friend it kind of helps you out you know like it's it's not <laughs> necessarily firehouse for him yeah totally <laughs> just just appoint him the firefighter elephant yes totally but... <laughs> elephant running down the savannah making the fire engine noise with trunk <laughs> like i'm coming to save you uh i think stuff like that could be could be possible i think uh that mob c would actually make an excellent addition to uh savannah R. I. P. mob c exactly right well because it's so close to a crocodile like it's it's like a crocodile it's like putting a crocodile in the game which would make sense for like a large river biome in a savannah but then it just has a minecraft spin so it's not a crocodile it's it's a it's a whatever they call it you know uh, a crocolisk or a, you know whatever that and i think that that's a uh, world of warcraft term but like <laughs> something to just kind of like give it that different spin uh i thought it was i mean it was all head like the whole the thing just looked like it's just one giant mouth which i thought was really with a couple with a couple of little stumpy feet at the back yeah, yeah it's like it's like a, it's like an alligator and a pug had a baby right mm -hmm. so uh, stuff like that i think you could you could potentially take some you know real world animals and maybe put a minecraft spin on them so that you don't have to deal with that um with that you know environmental touchiness that's out there and not that that's a bad thing i just mm. you know in terms of walking the line from a pr perspective but then also to go what we were saying earlier about adding lore or adding kind of um springboard points to the game if you have a unique mob then the player gets to say well where did this come from what can i do with it like what can i build around it if i want to build a pen for mob see what does that look like like mm -hmm. where does it live like so there's there's opportunities there i think to to um to encourage players to interact with with mobs i'm wondering though i know they said it that they say oh this this biome that we update is going to get some new features and some new mobs but why do we always go straight to mobs in our head because you think like giraffes and hippos and rhinos and antelopes and, and flamingos maybe but like what does that do other than just add one more thing that's going to lag the game <laughs> that you just walk by and go oh that's really cool looking Look, but, i'm like, looking at you cod <laughs> <laughs> right because again it adds it does add that immersion like and you're in the oceans fish everywhere it's beautiful yeah but I, I outside of the first week that it happened i haven't really interacted with fish in a long time mm -hmm. so I, I don't really know where they would want to draw the line like i think a herd of buffalo in a savannah would look amazing i also think that my server would hate it you know like it's, it's one of those things where you're just you're kind of juggling the function over performance and stuff like that so when you think of mobs like why do you want more mobs in the game i think it is just for that immersion and that feeling of life i feel that the 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 original sort of minecraft worlds were so desolate that I think the all of the recent sort of additions of mobs have been to populate the world with stuff that isn't players, but still feels like there's a living, breathing ecosystem going on. And mobs are just the easiest way to do that. There's not really scope to give things like... Like, the trees don't necessarily have a growth cycle or anything. They don't tend to kind of grow bigger and bigger. They're just one size the whole time. So mobs and kind of active stuff like that is so much... It's how you illustrate the natural world being a thing in Minecraft. And they're also things that you don't just look at and think resource because you look at all the blocks around you and you think, I can build with any one of these. Whereas in real life, that's not necessarily what happens. You don't see a tree in your backyard and go like, I'm going to build something out of that. You're like, yeah, that's a tree. I'm, I'm going to leave it where it is because it's looking real majestic. So 
yeah, I think I think I think we go to mobs sort of as a an instinctual thing because they are one of the first things that seems remarkable about any given location. So mm-hmm. like, you know, if you're if you're walking around a tiger biome, you're like, okay, trees, grass, you know, it's all pretty standard then. There's a wolf and the wolf has certain behaviors. It'll kind of like cock its head at you and look sort of slightly quizzical and that that gives it so much more personality than just walking around looking at trees and and structures Mm. do that too but you know like we've discussed they probably don't want to populate the world with too many structures and my 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 concern about them adding any kind of structures to tigers and what we said earlier about tigers being everywhere is that then those structures become everywhere as well and then they start to get boring because of seeing them so often there's a, a really fine line to walk between scarcity and discoverability that must be very difficult at this stage. And I don't envy Mojang their job here because what they're doing is taking a game which is incredibly beloved and that people are so used to and modifying stuff about it and obviously getting a huge amount of community feedback, which they're very good at listening to, but they've still got to balance that stuff for everybody so that it's scarce enough that people aren't going to get bored, but discoverable enough that people are going to want to go out and find it and have a certain guarantee that they are going to find it without just giving the cartographer villager another map that says, here's a map to a fancy thing that we've got in the savannah now, you know? Yeah. To, to still lend that element of excitement and exploration and everything is going to be, it's going to be a tricky line to walk. Yeah. I think that speaking of structures and things like that, to go back to what we were saying earlier about having like rock, oak crops, uh, cliffs, I think maybe adding a little bit more variation to the way that a, a savannah is, uh, generated would would go a long way yeah so some uh, somebody uh, earlier in the week uh, i think we were chatting about this on twitter somebody said as long as i if, if they add lions to the game and we can hold up one of the cubs like in the lion king and i was like yes if savannas <laughs> have pride rock then i'm moving there and i'm never leaving right yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah those yeah, exactly rock outcroppings and stuff would be great i would love to see them just tweak the savannah grass color so it's slightly more yellow almost like the kind of color that you have your wheat being yellow that kind of almost golden yellow now and maybe making it a little bit more dusty, so there's kind of like dusty clay, or there's 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 grass, but it's not necessarily grass. It's more kind of worn patches of of dirt, of kind of golden dirt, and that'd kind of give it a more authentic savannah-y feel to me. Yep, I agree. I think that they could even without getting into the the idea of adding new blocks, which I think they should too. Mm. But like you could easily bring in some red sand, some red sandstone. Uh, you could have coarse dirt appear naturally mm-hmm. in a savanna and turn this even grass plain into patchy you know uh, uh elephant highways where like these things have just they've trampled everything into the dust mm-hmm. uh on the flip side i think that there's also a, a potential for adding new blocks you know into into the savanna biome you know maybe you add a new kind of rock a new color of granite you know maybe you add a new kind of sand color or dust or clay you know maybe appears in a different color um i don't necessarily say that you have to have a new block in the game but maybe much like water does now where it's a different color in multiple different biomes across the the minecraft world you could have you know granite or sand in a savanna just appear maybe a little bit more red maybe Mm -hmm. not as as red as red sandstone but you know it could have you know some some um i guess similarities to 
uh, savannas in the real world. And I do want to point out that we've been talking a lot about Africa, but Australia has a massive savanna as well. Mm -hmm. And that's where really where you get that red dusty kind of image, I think, too, is, is any images you might have seen seen there. Beyond that, like I think as far as just existing stuff in savannah, uh, I would like to see acacia trees get more love. I mm -hmm. I appreciate the effort, but there's just something about diagonal blocks like that in Minecraft that completely break it for me. I'm just yeah, like, nope, yeah. It's just like that doesn't, that doesn't look like it's connected at all. And that's that's how yeah. you have to sort of represent trees if you're using these big cubes. But yeah, there's there's something yeah. that doesn't quite feel right about them. And I think acacia trees are one of the more interesting designs when you kind of grow them naturally. And and you know, yes. if you grow one from a sapling, it turns out the same way it does on on a savannah. But yeah, there's there's always a, a fine line to walk with with trees whether they're you know easy to grow at home or kind of interesting or you know the the way the ways in which they generate and after a while you just get used to seeing the same few patterns of tree to begin with so yeah varying that stuff is is going to be tricky but might be quite worthwhile in the the sort of biome revamp and i think that they could just they could probably just scale them up a little bit to the point where you could without going you can still go diagonal but still connect the blocks on flat sides and mm. have it go like a zigzag and i think that would work especially now that we have the all over bark block yeah because then you don't have to look at the bright orange butt of a log that's kind of sticking out into space you could actually have it look a little bit more robust and have like maybe you know two trees coming out of the same trunk because we've already got big trees i mean like mega taiga and and jungle trees are ginormous mm -hmm. so adding a fatter you know uh acacia tree that just has it has it look a little bit more solid i think would go a long way because then you could have multiple boughs like you could have like the the top bough and have more leaves part way up the trunk and i just think it would be a little bit more more interesting and solid looking mm -hmm. i would love there to be four by four or two by two rather trees of basically every wood type i mean just for farming entirely for selfish reasons at this point but yeah, yeah, it would yeah. just be so much nicer to grow a whole bunch of this type of wood for building with later as opposed to having to knock down individual trees one at a time in order to to get like five blocks of wood per tree you know yeah they mm -hmm. look they look great but yeah like a, a sort of fatter savanna tree would be interesting then again we have absolutely no idea what they have in mind and some of this could be like we're, we're all we're, we can only really think about the blocks that are in the game at the moment and one or two we might add but they might have like wildly different ideas and that's mm -hmm. what's so interesting about the the sort of biome vote and what they're going to reveal they might even closer to the time they might reveal more of what they have planned for each biome in the way that they released a little bit more information about just about the the mobs last year than just like the pictures they kind of made a short video clip about each one ahead of the vote so this week we might even learn a little bit more about it before the the live stream actually happens so speaking of the live stream <laughs> because we forgot to mention this at the top of the show we have plans to stream alongside the live stream happening and provide our commentary now we we checked ahead of time with mo yang i actually tweeted mark watson and uh helen angel on twitter just to see if this was going to be okay and mark checked with the events team and said that it's okay for us to restream and provide our commentary so we are going to go ahead and do this on the day of minecon um we might actually try doing something beforehand just as kind of like a test to make sure that it's actually going to work 
Um, but if you aren't attending a Minecon watch party, then consider coming to ours. <laughs> because if all goes well, yeah, we'll be live streaming along with the show and giving our first impressions in real time about what happens uh, in this this Minecon presentation. Uh, the stream will probably be happening over on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash pixelriffs, as long as that's okay with you, Joel. But I think it was it was kind of... We, we discussed this previously, and we thought it was probably better to put it on one of our channels than to start up like a whole separate Spawn Chunks Twitch, because we don't necessarily plan on doing anything else with that right now. Who knows what might no, happen in the future. No, I agree. Yeah, but... and it makes, it makes the most sense, especially, you know, with you, with your video background and just it makes the setup and because we've only got a week this is happening on the 29th which yeah. is this coming saturday a few <laughs> oh, days from today so, so soon so yeah so we we're, we are gonna have to run a test i think and and we will let uh, probably the people on our discord in on on that test just to kind of get some feedback and mm-hmm. and of course the people again we'll probably use your your twitch channel so the people that follow you on twitch uh we'll, we'll get to see that as well yes um, but yeah i'm looking forward to it i've seen other podcasters do this with things like e3 yes uh, i've also watched some tech podcasts cover things like apple announcements or mm-hmm. yeah, google yeah. or amazon announcements so I've, I've seen that kind of stuff done before i've never never done it myself so i'm looking forward to giving that a go and uh, i think it's gonna be a lot of fun too because not only do you get our commentary but as we've mentioned a couple times on the show we've got a really cool community growing here with the spawn chunks so those folks will probably be in the chat room too if they can and so you'll be able to touch base with them as well as us and speaking of that that's going to wrap up another episode of the spawn chunks but you can find more information about the show and links to some of the things we've talked about today on thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast, and with your help, we can continue to produce, evolve, and expand the show, and do fun things like my live-streaming Minecon. Um, you can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join the community. We're pledging. At any level, we'll get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord channel, and a quick reminder that you're pledging per podcast. So, for example, if we publish four podcasts in a month, a $1 pledge means you're giving us $4 a month, which uh, I personally think ain't bad for four hours worth of entertainment. But you can judge that yourself and donate whatever you feel is, is you know, appropriate. And if you can't afford to pledge right now, do not worry, because there are a bunch of other ways in which you can show your support. Spreading the word is the easiest way to just support the show at no extra cost to you, other than however long it takes you to write a tweet to poke a friend in the arm. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Spawn Chunks. You can also find us on Instagram uh, as the Spawn Chunks. So if you're telling friends, "Hey, check out this feed and and wait for their next episode," or, or you know, when you want to know when things are happening, there are ways to monitor that. If you're going to share us around on social media, why not use the hashtag Minecraft Podcast and the Spawn Chunks all at once? It really kind of helps with our discoverability at this stage in the game. If you want to email the show, you can send us a, a letter at the Spawn Chunks at gmail.com let us know what you think of the new potential biome changes and what you would like to vote for uh, and why because we would love to talk about that either on the live stream or potentially uh on the next episode of of the sponge chunks we are available on itunes google play google podcasts and stitcher we have had a number of emails over the last little while uh, asking us about spotify at the moment we are not on spotify we don't have any plans to expand yet um, the reason for that is because some services out there that provide audio um, to listeners like Spotify and some other stuff have uh, not only upload limits, but they also are a separate feed altogether. Like we can update the RSS feed on the website and have it just populate everything that we're currently sending this show out to. Whereas Spotify, and I can't remember another service, but there's a couple of other audio services out there that require you to then upload separately, manage that separately. So for time and financial constraints, 
we're not on Spotify. Uh, I wish we could be everywhere, but we can put that as a, as a notch in the cap for maybe later on down the line. Uh, but for right now, there's just a number of places that you can find us, including a Patreon-only RSS feed on patreon.com slash thespontrucks. One last thing before we sign off. Uh, we do still want to collect a few people's uh, experiences with the previous Minecon convention. So before they did the live stream thing, but if you have uh, any experience with going to a previous Minecon from you know, 2016 or earlier, please do let us know. We would love to hear from you at thespawnchunks at gmail.com or get in touch on Twitter if you just want to send us like a quick DM or something about your experiences with Minecon, especially if you've been on a panel or anything like that, if you've been somebody who's actually presented something at Minecon or even if you just turned up as a spectator and wanted to join in the fun, it would be great to hear from you so we can include that in a a future episode. But my name has been Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I have a survival guide series for beginners and a multiplayer Let's Play series called Decidedly Vanilla, where you can see how I'm defending my island against the imminent threat of slime. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, where you can, where you can find us through a quick YouTube search. And I stream three days a week on Twitch, where these days I'm mostly working on larger Minecraft projects for my YouTube series, but I play other games from time to time. Aside from that, I'm at Pixel Riffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? You can find everything I am up to online at joelduggan.com. That includes my illustration and design portfolio. If you're interested in hiring me, just drop me a line there. If you like this podcast, you may also like the Citadel Cafe, a podcast where I talk about sci-fi and geeky entertainment. But this past week, I interviewed Todriel. She is a Twitch broadcaster, a artist in her own right. And it was a delightful conversation. She's an excellent streamer. She provides a lot of insight into her amazing community that she's cultivated. And I would highly encourage people to check that out. Just an FYI though, her stream is not safe for work. There's a little bit of swearing that happens. It's not a lot, but it just wouldn't something that you'd want to have headphones on if you're around little kids or perhaps in a work environment. You can also follow me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram with just my name, Joel Duggan. As I mentioned, there is a new Citadel Let's Play up as of Saturday, and you can watch me build the inn on a bridge. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and hopefully soon it will have fire elephants.